With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, great to have you with us as always here on the GM Shuffle. We got lots coming up today, including just how bad the NFC East is. Or sorry, the NFC least. Bill O'Brien is firing the Houston Texans. Why it's surprising to us, and Mike really takes a, a deep dive into this and all the permutations around what happened. And of course, the picks that always need to happen. I also hosted the NHL draft rounds two through seven. And Mike at one point messaged me and said, Could you imagine what I would do with these names? So we're gonna throw a few names at Mike at the end, just for you know. A little bit of kicks here to see how, how much fun you would have with some of these names. Those Russian names can be tough, right? It's so bad. I mean, I don't know how the hell you did it. Seriously, I have no idea how you could do it. I mean, I would just like, like, uh, Yaroslav, I got one of them in front of me, Yaroslav Lakovic. I mean, like, I would have just, yeah, Yaro, yeah, you know, like, well, I mean, seriously. One of the names, of the names was Casper Simon Teivel, and I go, Mike would just be like, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Okay, let's move on, right? The ghost. I mean, like, seriously, like, I, I mean, I, I respect your name. I do. I mean, I, I, I love ethnic names as much as anybody, but God damn, I mean, I, I, I can't really get it out. Now, I'm deaf in one ear, even though no one gives me any credibility for being, you know, I, I can't hear completely in one ear and I'm deaf. 25% in the other, which I think affects my pronunciation. I'm going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to go with that. I'm not sure it's right. I'm sure that, I'm not sure that's actually accurate, but I'm going to go with it. It makes sense to me. So why not? Right. You know, no, why not? I can absolutely. still remember the day. I can still I can still remember when I had the hearing test and I thought the nurse, I was like in first grade. I can still remember the day. And the ladies that give, you know how when you were kids in school and the lady would give you the hearing test, you know, you go into the nurse's office at your primary school and she cranked that bitch up all the way to like 15 in my right ear and I wasn't moving at all. That lady turned white. She thought I was dead. (laughs) 
I mean, like you said, I can just imagine like how high that frequency is and the look of alarm on her face. And like you said, you have no idea what's happening. You're like, well, what's going on? Like, anything good? <laughs> I no idea. Yeah. I just want to get the hell out of there and eat spice cookies. That's all I was trying to do. Oh, uh, somebody who wants to get the hell out of here is Dwayne Haskins because it hasn't worked out right now. The Washington football team, Ron Rivera, you know, it's been a great story. Obviously, Ron is battling cancer and, you know, he's a tough guy and he's well-respected in the game and, and certainly has um, a lot of impact what he's done with the Carolina Panthers. Now with Washington, hey, listen, all those good feelings aside, we're trying to win here, okay? We're a one in three team. The division absolutely stinks. We're going to give you some stats that are, honestly, it's almost mind-boggling to believe how bad the division is. But Mike, he says enough's enough. Benching Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, the starting quarterback, Sunday's game against the Rams. Rivera used to have an eye on the future with Haskins, but now it's clear that he knows, you know what, this guy, he can't win right now. Haskins is actually now the third stringer. Alex Smith is now in the number two role. Maybe surprising to some when it came, but at the same time, Allen is a guy that Ron Rivera knows. Spent two years in Carolina under Ron Rivera and the current Washington offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. I know from the beginning, you weren't big on Dwayne Haskins. What happened here? Well, a couple things. So let's go, let's go back through it a little bit here. So, you know, Schneider is at wit's end, right? He fires the punter, the former general manager. I refuse to say his name, you know, and he needs to clean out his organization. And so he wants to hire somebody with credibility, somebody who's won, and Rivera's out there. And so I'm sure in the meeting between Rivera and Snyder, who's also chief scout of the Washington football team, right? Because the, the reason Haskins was the 15th pick overall in the draft was one one man only, uh, was, was Stan Snyder. He scouted him. He liked him. He went to his kid's high school, yada, 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 all that stuff. So, you know, uh, and so in that meeting, now this is just just me understanding the league and, and how things work. But in that meeting, Rivera had to say to Dan, Dan, look, you know, you can't tie me down to Haskins because the perception of the league about Haskins before the draft wasn't that good. And let me just give you a side story here. So every season I go out to the Mamba Academy and I would always speak to their draft eligible players about what it was going to be like to get interviewed, how to interview, how to present yourself to NFL teams, all that stuff. So the one year I went out there in 19, the last time I actually was out there because of COVID, I, I went out there and spent time. And of course, Haskins was training there. And they were excited to have Haskins, you know, because they felt like he was going to be a first round pick. So we, ha- we have a meeting set at four o'clock. Who shows up at 420? Haskins. So he starts to get engaged in the meeting. He's got his handler with him. Great. You know, and so they say to me, tomorrow, can we meet privately with you? And I said, sure, I'm here for you. So just tell me when you want to do it. Hey, how about if we do it at 1030? I said, perfect. I don't leave until I think three o'clock that afternoon or I left the next morning. And so, you know, 10 o'clock comes rolling around, no Haskins. 11 o'clock comes rolling around, no Haskins. Like he just blew me off. Like, and I'm like, that's really stupid. Like, that's really stupid because I got a big mouth and I do talk to people in the league and that's not really good for you. You can't think about that. So, the and I say that story only as a backdrop to this meeting between Rivera and Snyder. In that meeting, Rivera had to say to Dan, look, Dan, I'll do what you want me to do, but we've got to make an agreement on Haskins. If I don't, I won't sign anybody above Haskins. I'm going to sign a backup quarterback. You got to let me sign a backup quarterback, but I'm not going to challenge Haskins. I'm going to let him be the guy. I'm going to let him become the starter and we're going to take it from there. But 
and here's a big here's a big B U T. If he's not good enough, I'm going to make a move. And Snyder had to say, okay, you as long as you give him a chance, that's all I can ask of you. I think he'll prove me correct because I'm chief scout here of the Washington football team. You know, I I, I know talent. You know, truly the Dunning-Kruger effect. I mean, we could put, you know, the Hall of Fame should have a whole wing of the Dunning-Kruger effect owners in there, just like a separate wing anyway. So that's besides the point. But so, you know, and, and so now what we see is four games, right? And everybody's up in arms, AD, about the four games. Everybody's up in arms about how can you bench this guy? He's only really played in 13 games. He started 11. You know, in fact, of his passes, here's the most mind-bottling thing that makes the argument for Haskins. Of his 349 passes he's attempted in his NFL career, 264 of them have come when he's losing in a game. Wow. So now he's only attempted 85 passes in his NFL career in games that he's won. But here's the tragic part. In those games he's won, he's averaged five, six, six yards per attempt. In those games he's won, his quarterback rating is 66.8. In those games, he's thrown one touchdown pass in those three games and one interception. And in those games, he's only thrown three passes of over 25 yards. And Rivera knows this. The, the thing that I can't get my rat hands or head around is – why did they make him team captive? Because everything I hear coming out of Washington is he doesn't work hard. All the things that I saw at the Mamba Academy, right? Why would they make him team captain? Yeah, that's it's frustrating because like you said, you believe in a guy or at least someone believes in the guy. And once a new regime comes in, once they assess the situation, if they're not buying it, they're not having it, right? And, and as you said, Ron Rivera had to have the understanding coming in. And you know that when you bring in a new boss, hey, I didn't draft this guy. I don't believe in this guy necessarily. If he shows me something great, if not, I'm moving on. And this is another example. Listen, we've taken the Giants to task and for good reason, the Daniel Jones pick looks like a ridiculous pick at this time. Not that he's the only reason to blame. Obviously, the Giants have a lot of problems. But this is another example of a first-round quarterback could be a bust. No doubt. And, and, and the biggest problem here is, is people that make the argument that it's too soon to take Haskins out of the game are really talking about the sunk cost fallacy. That's basically what they're saying. And this is the same people that'll probably go on in their businesses and make bad decisions because they feel like they have an investment, right? So, you know, yes, he is a first round pick. Yes, we paid him a lot of money. Yes, he's a huge asset. But if he's not, if it's, if he's not any good, all those things don't matter. Nothing matters today. In fact, what, what most organizations should do is once the draft is over, they should remove the draft status, the pedigree from the player, and just evaluate every single guy as if they were all college free agents. And if you could do that, oh my God, would you have an upside down evaluation? Your organization would look completely different. But, but sunk cost is really, you know, it, it becomes to most NFL people, as they don't even think about the sunk cost, you know, they think, oh my God, we've got this investment. We've got to make this investment work. No, you're looking at it the wrong way. Just you did. It's a, the, the, you've already paid the piper. It's over. If it's a mistake, you can't make the same mistake twice. So for people that are arguing that Haskins should have more time, and I would be one of those people to argue because 13 games to me isn't enough. However, However, what I saw of him at Ohio State was I saw a quarterback that was unable to throw the ball until the receiver was open. 
And the only way he was most effective throwing the football was when he had time in the pocket, which he did at Ohio State. The receiver was open. He threw it. In the NFL, he has most of his success when you can scheme a play-action pass where it's a little bit like Jared Goff. You fake the handoff, you separate the defense, and you tell him either throw the ball here or throw it there, right? Either here or there, or that's it. And if it's not open on the play action, then he then the play breaks down. But he doesn't have that anticipatory gene. It's Mason Rudolph. The same. This is the same thing that happened to Mason Rudolph. It's what I call. It's a category of talent in college football because, as Parcells once said, we can only take what they give us. Well, they're giving us seven on seven quarterbacks. They're giving us guys that can that that stand back there that can throw it. In the Big 12, we get a bunch of them. The Brandon, This was Brandon Whedon's problem when I was in Cleveland. He had no anticipation to his throws. And you can't fix that. There's no way you can fix that. Like the Duckster is better than Mason Rudolph because the Duckster has that gene. Now, the Duckster doesn't have enough talent to be able to, to play in the NFL, but he has that gene to throw anticipatory throws. He does have that. Haskins doesn't have that. So you can start, you can work with them for 20 games. You can work with them for 40 games. That's not going to change. Jacoby Brissett has the same problem. But the difference between Jacoby and Dwayne Haskins is Haskins isn't a worker. Haskins isn't a leader. Jacoby's one of the greatest kids of all time. You, you, you would love Jacoby. Every, every father would love to have a son like Jacoby Brissett. He's the tremendous human being. Tremendous. His mother deserves so much credit for raising him. Unbelievable kid. However, that being said, you know, he has the problem where if it's not scripted correctly, it doesn't go good. He works his way through it and he can help teams win as a backup. I'm not sure he's a starter. But Haskins, you don't get that element. You don't get that extra work ethic. You don't get that, I'm in this thing. You get, hey, I'm a superstar. I went to Ohio State, you know, and the owner loves me. That don't fly. I like the analogy you'd used before about Goff, which you can use here with Haskins, where you said, you know, if he can check the runners at first and third, then he's fine. But otherwise, if he has to make moves, and it's different. And to your point about saying, well, we drafted him so high, we have this investment. My friend Keith Law, great baseball writer, went to Harvard. He calls it sunk cost fallacy. You know, you often see it in sports. Well, we paid this guy a gigantic contract, even though he's a shell of what he once was. Let's keep trotting at Albert Pujols hitting fourth of the Angels or Miguel Cabrera for the Tigers or whomever it is. You talked about uh, previously, you know, there's other players, J.J. Watt. He shouldn't be playing all the time, but you go, well, we're paying him this much money. Therefore, let's get the value out of him. No, that's actually the wrong thing to do. Sunk cost fallacy doesn't work. And the reason why, the biggest reason Rivera's making this move is because he knows the division's up for grabs. This is how lousy this division is. The NFC East, you know it's bad, right? I want to give you a couple stats, folks, to really understand just how horrid it is. Eagles, Cowboys, Washington, and the Giants have combined 3-12-1 since the merger in 1970. Only the 1984 AFC Central at 3-13 got off to a worse start. Here's a couple more for you before we dive in even further. The Eagles are in first place despite the fact they've run three plays all season while leading in the fourth quarter. Yes, we're into week five right now. And since divisional realignment in 2002, no division has won fewer than 22 games in a season. The NFC East will need to win at least eight more non-division games to break that record. No matter what happens, Mike, one of these teams is going to win the division. Maybe the Cowboys, maybe the Eagles. But it's embarrassing. And I'm not saying you have to realignment. I'm not necessarily saying, okay, change the system and, and reseed it. But like, there's going to be an NFC 
team that gets screwed and doesn't make the playoffs are going to go, are you serious? This joke of a team, the Eagles are going to be, you know, seven, eight, one making the playoffs is terrible. It's horrible. And, you know, going back to sunk cost, I, I think this is really important to understand, to, to, to really know what we're dealing with. Sunk cost is, is, is it affects all of us in our life. It's like when I go to a buffet and I pay, you know, go to a brunch and you pay $50. What's the first thing you say? Bring the New York Times, sit here. We're going to read the paper. We're going to get our money's worth. We overeat, right? That's a sunk cost. You've, you've already paid the money, right? But now you think you're going to get your money's worth. Or if you, if you're a person who paid, you know, like say I want to go see a concert and I put 20 bucks to go see the concert. I've already paid the money. But for me to get there, I have to go through a blizzard, you know, to drive there. I almost have to risk my life. Is it worth it? You know, yeah, I'm going to do it because I put the 20 in. The, 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 it's already sunk cost. And here's what's fascinating. The people that have researched sunk cost. There's only three people. There's only three species on the planet that invest in sunk cost. Rats, mice, and humans. <laughs> that is tremendous. Three blind mice, rats, which are a, just a horror in New York City, tenement buildings, and humans. This is where it comes from. It's amazing. Um, let's move on and talk about the Texans, because this was a surprise. I, I knew Bill O'Brien may be in trouble. Didn't think it happened this quickly. 0-4 start, which nobody saw coming, and he's the head coach and the GM, and he's gone. And associate head coach Romeo Cornell is now the team's interim head coach. So the McNair family decided to make the move after the Texans fall to the Vikings. This comes after, listen, Billy O'Brien was named the GM in January. And he made that now controversial move, some might say, trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for running back David Johnson in a second-round pick. So far, Johnson is averaging 3.86 yards per rush. Hopkins leads the NFL with 39 catches. So far, he's having a tremendous season. You go to the GM's eye, excuse me, the GM shuffle eye, as Mike was writing in The Athletic, about Bill O'Brien's emotional culture there was not set to last. I'm going to read an excerpt, Mike, and you go ahead and take it from here. In the past, the Texans had started 0-3 under O'Brien and bounced back, but even to an untrained eye, this year's 0-3 started offered little promise. They never came together on the field. The Texans looked compartmentalized. They looked as if they were going through the motions on the field. Nothing was in sync. O'Brien stopped calling plays to become one of the team's overseer, essentially becoming a true head coach, which means he was taking on the role of the chief problem solver. O'Brien needed to make sure his team was doing the essential details to give them the best chance to win in that role. Was this ultimately his undoing, Mike? He had to take on too much work and therefore couldn't take care of everything? I think what I tried to express in in that column and in the Daily Coach is when you have a, a personality that is tends to fly off the handle quickly, you know, you know, I just I'm sorry, I have a temper, I can't control my temper. Well, as a leader, you've got to try to control your temper because especially when you become the head of the whole company, it's one thing to be a fiery leader. And and be with your players, the Billy Martin kind of guy. You know, we saw Billy Martin's reign. Some 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 of the young listeners on this don't know who Billy Martin is. Billy Martin was the manager of the Yankees, and you know, he always George Steinbrenner fired him and bring him back, fire him because his personality was such that he would the players would kind of get tired of hearing his message, and after a while they lose interest. But he would always go to a team and make the team better initially because of that personality. And Billy's personality is such that, you know, he's fiery, he's emotional, he's going to wear his heart on his sleeve. And when you become the chief executive officer of a company, you can't lead with fear. And people say, well, Vince Lombardi led with fear. No, he really didn't. If you read The Daily Coach, 
or you read my column that that when you which breaks down leading with fear, Lombardi did none of those things. He didn't lead with fear. Most great coaches don't, can't. You can't lead with fear because when you lead with fear, you're, you you have no sustainability. You're not going to be the players going to eventually tune you out. It's like anything. You can't yell at someone all the time. Eventually, they get tired of it. Like I'm fed up with it. And I think the way the Texans played this year, and I went back and watched the Minnesota game, and it was ugly. I mean. First of all, they're last in the National Football League in rushes and completions on defense, on offense. They're 31st on defense. I mean, they have zero execution. They're playing with zero execution. The offensive line from the first game of the season with guys that they've got investments in, Howard and Tunzel at tackle, played horrible. Zach Fulton at right guard was just horrible in the opening game, you know? And there was no real attention to detail. There was no real, you could hear the messaging wasn't being heard. Now, whether Billy got tired or the players got tired of Billy, I don't know. There's certainly a lot of discussions about on-the-field fightings, and, and, and I could see there could be tremendous disagreements. For Billy, as he sits back, the hardest thing for most guys that leave the Belichick tree is to find guys that understand the Belichick tree. Why do you think Bill has nothing but a bunch of young coaches working for him up there? Because Bill would rather train than retrain. Bill's, Bill doesn't want to hear somebody come in and give him ideas. Bill's got a, a plenty of ideas. you know. But in the NFL, it's hard to get an organization to change into the Belichickian model or the New England model because you can't get everybody on the same page. And I think if Billy writes down what happened to him at Houston, I think he's probably going to say, I could never find the right combination of people and I could never train the people. That's the key thing. Bill has an ability to train people. We that's what we did in Cleveland. That's why all those that's why they made a documentary Cleveland 95. All these guys that we trained in Cleveland have gone on to have great careers. But none of them, when they walked to the building in Cleveland, had any idea about football, truly. They learned the certain way. They learned the certain way. And so they didn't come in and say, oh, this sucks, you know? And the ones that did, we got rid of them. And they were young enough to go away. So I, I think, you know, look, I think when you fire a coach after four games, there's real problems. And I think McNair had to solve the issues. Now, where they go from here, I have no idea. Do they hire Eric Bieniemy? I mean, you know, someone's going to hire Eric Bieniemy this offseason. Do they hire Eric Bieniemy and give him a and give him a, a a general manager to work with them? I think the one thing, if I'm Cal McNair, I want to make sure that there's a partnership between whomever I hire. And from the captain obvious file, whoever they hire has to help quarterback Deshaun Watson continue to develop, continue to be the star of this team. They gave him a ton of money, so obviously he has to be the guy that they build around. Interestingly, you did point out in the column, Mike, they don't have a first or a second round pick in the draft, So, you, but they do have a good team. I mean, I, I, it's surprising. When you see 0-4, you say this is not inconceivable, but it's awfully unlikely. Like, literally, things have had to go seriously awry for this kind of talent. They, listen, they won four FC South Division titles in six years. Okay, they had a good season a year ago. To go this bad this quickly, uh, you'd have to hope, hey, very quickly you can turn it around that direction. Romeo Cornell clearly is a caretaker, interim guy. Whoever they hire knows there is talent on this roster. That's the good news. Yeah, it, there is a lot of talent, and, and it's got to come together. And I have a feeling it will this weekend. You know, I have a feeling that, you know, the players – now, look, I think they, they're really bad on defense. I think they got to improve defensively. They, they don't have enough talent on defense. There's no doubt. But there's no excuse for this team not to score points. I mean, between Cooks 
and Will Fuller when he's healthy with Watson. Watson's got to play better. I mean, I love Deshaun Watson, but after four weeks, Deshaun Watson hasn't played like the guy who should be in the $40 million club. You can't deny that. You cannot deny that. There's a disconnect between Watson and what's going on. So there, you have to, you have to, he has to play better. No doubt about that. Major stories there when it comes to the NFL. As always, you can follow Mike on Twitter, MLombardiNFL. You can also follow me, Adnan S. Verk. You can follow our show's Instagram page, at The Gym Shuffle. You can also find us on Instagram, at those handles as well. When we come back, this is why you listen to the podcast. You want the picks. Mike and I preview the biggest games of Week 5, including, yes, 0-4 Giants, 1-3 Cowboys, and Joe Burrow against Lamar Jackson. Fired up for that one. Don't go anywhere. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, time to do some picks and talk about some football games. Last week, uh, overall, I should say, Mike, you're four and five against the spread. How were the picks last week? I was uh, one, one, and one last week. Uh, the Chargers, I just want to kill Anthony Lynn. Like, seriously, like, can we subcontract, like, for four hours, you know, on Sunday? Can we just, like, you know, I mean, he cost me. I should, that was a push, but, you know, I'll take it. I, you know, I think now with four weeks to go, uh, it, we, uh, my data seems to be pretty good. I, it, and, I, and I've kind of, I've got to stop going against what my numbers say. Last week, I went with Detroit because the money was flowing to Detroit. And my number said take New Orleans, so I owe it to myself. But, uh, you know, I think this week will be a better week. I hope it will be. I think there's a lot of lines this week where the lines are high. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those line, high lines translate. Are there that many dominant teams in the NFL? Or are we going to see a little bit more of a cluster? Those are the questions. When it comes to dominant teams, well, let's be with the teams that are the least dominant. That'd be the 0-4 Giants against the Cowboys at 1-3. Listen, these are two terrible teams. The Cowboys, it's interesting. You keep saying, well, you know, they've got talent. They've got talent. They should be 0-4, as you and I have said. They, they should have lost the game against the Falcons. And the Giants are miserable. How do you break down this one? Look, I thought the Giants played their ass off last week. I mean, you know, as bad as they are on offense, and God, they are bad. I mean, Jesus Christ, Jason. I mean, Jason Garrett's lucky I ain't the president of the Giants because I'm gonna tell you what that, that I, I, you know, this is all I can't stand. I would be like Popeye. This is all I can stands and I can't stands no more on that. I would be just like enough, please. You know, enough. I mean, like at some point, do something to help this quarterback out. Motion. You know, get it somewhere where he's not reading. You know. 
when people talk about Daniel Jones staring down receivers, he did it last year too. But in Pat Shermer's offense, it was more of a triangle passing game. So when he was staring down, he was staring down the triangle. Now he's staring down a receiver. And, you know, you needed you need a little bit more on that. I mean, for me, what's shocking, AD, you cite all those numbers. I think always this game is close, even when the teams are bad. But for the Cowboys to be really an 0-4 team, let's face it, they're an 0-4 team. The record says they're 1-3, but they're an 0-4 team. To be a 9.5-point favorite against a team that's 0-4, I mean, they're both two bad teams. And my line says this should be about a six-point six line. I'm going to get nine and a half in this game. I'm going to take the Giants every time. I'm going to take them, with, I'm going to take them all the way to the back. I think the Giants will cover. I think they'll actually move the football better on the Cowboys. I think they always play this game close. I'm going to take the Giants in this one. Once again, we're picking with the spread. For those listening, maybe half-heartedly listening, going, really, you think the Giants are going to beat the Cowboys? No, listen to what he said. Because of the spread, we'll pick the Giants. Like you said, the Cowboys right now getting nine and a half. The Colts right now are three and one. They're taking on the Browns that are three and one. Indianapolis Colts, maybe a team we haven't talked about a lot, Mike. You look at their defense, Phillip Rivers, 38 years of age, trying to get things done. Obviously, Frank Reich's a great coach. The Cleveland Browns have used their running game. You know, their running game has been huge for them the last few weeks. Nick Chubb in particular has been tremendous. What do you think in this matchup? A couple of teams that are three and one right now in the AFC, Colts and Browns. Well, I mean, look, the, the the Brownies have been good, right? So they beat, they come back, they 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 win a, a Thursday night game against Cincinnati, good game. They come back, beat a bad Washington team. They go back and beat a beat a bad Cle- uh, Dallas team. We, I thought last week Cleveland should have been the favorite in that game, and, and this week, you know, the line is pretty much a pick 'em line. You could, you're better off going to the money line here if you're going to bet this game. It's zero. It's really a pick 'em line. So you know, my numbers say it should be a five point game. I think Indy is one of the best untold stories. They lost to Jacksonville in the opener, but their defense has really played well, and they've played the run well. They've played physical. I worry about Philip Rivers making mistakes, but I think you could throw the ball. I think if you can block Miles Garrett, which I think Indianapolis can, then I think you can throw the ball on the Brownies. And I like Indy in this game a lot. You know, it, it sets up Indy's Indy. It sets up perfect for me because I like a low ticket count with high money. The Colts have that. I like less than twenty five percent of the money coming in. Indy's got that. So I'm going with Indy in this game. I like Indy uh, as the winner of this game. All right, Colts. There is the pick. The Eagles are one two and one. They take on a three and zero Pittsburgh Steelers team. Give the Eagles and Doug Peterson credit. Uh, they had some moxie there on the road against San Francisco. Clearly, Nick Mullins didn't play that great. And I couldn't even know who half the guys are on the Eagles offense. But Fulgham gets the big touchdown there from Wentz as they go on and hang off the lead. Now, can they actually beat Mike Tomlin and the Steelers on the road? Steelers defense has been really good this year, Mike. You look at sacks. They put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. That's not good news to the Eagles considering that depleted offensive line. And Carson Wentz has had some issues with turnovers. No doubt. And, you know, look, I, I don't know if the Eagles can win this game, but I think it's a, my numbers say it should be a four point game. I'm getting seven in Philadelphia. I'll take those seven points. I think Philly will put some pressure on Big Ben. I don't think Ben has played as well as the record indicates. I think the Eagles defense will give him a little bit of trouble. Now, I think the the Steelers, they've got to be able to block the two ends on the Steelers if they're going to move the ball at all. And I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. But what I like about this game is is it's interesting. When you follow the money, right? So there's been 27% of the bets have been put in on the Eagles. 21% of the money is only on the Eagles. So everybody's betting the Steelers in this game, yet the line's not moving. 
that tells you that's significant. The line's at seven. They don't want to move the line to seven and a half. They don't want to give you the hook, and, and they can't move it down because they've got too much money. So I'm going to take the seven here. I have a, I have a sense by Sunday, this line will move to six and a half. I think you got to get it at seven right now today. And I like the Eagles to cover. I don't know if they're going to win. But, you know, AD, this, this, game, this weekend, there's so many games. If you, just, if you wanted to just say, you know what, I'm going to throw caution to the win here, and I'm just going to take all the road barkers, the dogs on the road, the Giants are nine-and-a-half-point dogs. The Bengals, who my numbers say you should take, are 12-and-a-half-point dogs. Philly, a seven-point dog. Miami, who I really love, I think Miami's a good play, too. I'm not picking it, but they're a nine-and-a-half-point dog. There's four. You could take four dogs, and Vegas is a 12-point dog. You could take all those points, and I'd be shocked if you didn't go four and one. Well, that's interesting. Like you said, if you play the numbers right, those are some numbers. Like you said, follow the money. That's always the key. To that point, we'll get to the Bengals in a second, which you just mentioned, but the Vikings and the Seahawks. Listen, Minnesota's one and three. They finally come up with a win. They beat the Texans. The Seahawks, Russell Wilson's the MVP of the league, but their defense is just brutal. They give up so much yardage. It's actually kind of surprising. They're 4 0. Is this another instance where when you look at the numbers, you might pick the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, my numbers say take the Vikings. My my head says I refuse to go against Russell Wilson. And this is one of those games where Minnesota has a low ticket count and they have high money, which is always a good game to play. You want to do that all the time. That's that's the side you want to be on. Low ticket, high money. And and so, you know, I think that Minnesota is a little bit like Dallas in this sense. They're really good on offense. They can move the ball. Dalvin Cook's been sensational. I mean, running behind a bad offensive line the way he's been running. I mean, Gary Kubiak's a really good run game schemer. He can do it as well as anybody. But the defense of Minnesota, I think, is problematic. I think Seattle will move the football. I'm waiting for a Seattle letdown at some point. But the way Russell Wilson's playing, my God, he, you know, he's 16 touchdown passes in the first four weeks. I don't know how you go against him. If I were to play this game, I would play Seattle because even though my numbers say go the other way, I'm never going against Russell Wilson. Amen to that. And the last one, the Bengals at 1-2-1 one, and one, taking on the Baltimore Ravens. Joe Mixon, we talked about this before the season started. He got paid top five running back right now in football. And now Joe Burrow goes against Lamar Jackson. Again, reiterate the line because like, I think you said 12 and a half. That's a big line. That's where the Bengals could be the pick, right? Right. So the last two times the Bengals have played in Baltimore. So the last in the last 10 games in this series, the, the record's five and five. Okay. And the last two times since he's played in Baltimore, they've been three point and six point games. I mean, there's always the divisional rivals are closer than you think. And I think this is where the lines are a little bit in favor of you can take the dog, especially in divisional rivalries. And in this one in Cincinnati, you know, I mean, the numbers are, you know, the numbers are 12 and a half, 13. My numbers are seven. I have a 7.56 spread for this game. Uh, I know another person who has a five point spread for this game, you know, so I, I think Clearly, do I think Baltimore wins yet? Do I think Cincinnati can backdoor cover? Absolutely. And yet, you know, and because they've always played them close, it's always been a close game. So, you know, it's like like New York and Dallas, right? Like, you you know, I know McCarthy's there on the sideline. This is his first time playing against uh, an NFC East. You know, he's probably asking himself in his Malone voice, what are you prepared to do today to the team? Could you imagine if he got in front of the team, dressed like Sean Connery, and, and says, what are, we, what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? 
You know, if the Giants pull a knife, we're going to pull a gun. You know, uh, if he sends one of yours to the hospital, we got to, you know, could you imagine if he did that? And he would have that, you know, the rosary. That would be incredible. He'd have a rosary in front of him, you know, and then he would walk the beat. They'd go out there and just walk the beat. Anyway, I think these rivalries are, are huge, right? I think they're huge. And, and I think the players sense it. You know, we got to beat the Giants. We got to beat the Cowboys. We got to beat the Eagles. We got to beat the Washington football team. So, you know, I, I think those spreads are, and especially in week five of the season, when the season's over and these games are coming on, I don't think it matters as much. I don't think the rivalries are as important, but I do think they are now. All right, good stuff. So the picks, Giants, Colts, Eagles, Vikings, Bengals. As you said, some of those are not your official picks, but those are the ones, at least when you look at the lines. My three official ones are the Giants, the Eagles, and the Colts. Perfect. Those are the official picks. As always, you can follow Mike on Twitter, Instagram, get all your great advice there. Coming up next, we'll close up shop with the GM Shuffle mailbag. And as promised, a couple of great names from the NHL draft. Want to see if my guy can handle them. That's up next. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. As always, we love hearing from everybody here. The GM Shuffle, <clears throat> excuse me, at gmail.com. We did get that great email about the guy whose uh, wife supported him on the Sopranos tour. I was wondering what about the Bada Bing. Satin Dolls was number seven on the list. That is a good wife looking after him, making sure he got the ultimate Sopranos tour. Uh, as far as the question, this week comes from Brandon. I love the analysis of the Giants organization. I know they don't have the same fan base nationally as the Giants. What are your thoughts around the issues in the Broncos organization, the ongoing battle in the Boland family for control and how the trust has protected John Elway and Joe Ellis? Mike. Well, I, I think, you know, John has complete, John's almost acting like the owner as they fight for control and no one's going to tell John Elway what to do. I mean, you talk about leading with fear. You know, John doesn't listen to very few, very many people. And the product on the field hasn't been, you know, he's been through what he had John Fox. And then, you know, they, they won the Super Bowl with his friend Gary Kubiak. And then Gary and him kind of had a breakup. And then they come back with, with Vic. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. But I, I don't know if they're, to me, the problem that John has is the problem that always was on his side as a player. You know, when you played in the, when you played in the West, you're always, how are we going to beat Denver with Elway? Now Elway's got to deal with how are we going to beat Kansas City with Mahomes. You know, he's living a world that everybody else used to live. And I don't know if he set his team up to beat them. I don't know if his team's set up to beat them. And as they have this power struggle going on, John is essentially the owner. And no one's going to walk in there and say, John, I don't think you're doing a very good job. I don't think you're drafted well. Because I, I think other than, you know, John hasn't been able to solve the quarterback. Parts of his team are really good. 
but he hasn't solved the quarterback. That's a story when it comes to the Denver Broncos. Uh, as we close up shop here, I just want to throw a few names here at Mike. As I mentioned, uh, my work uh, with the NHL Network, I was hosting rounds two through seven. I have a newfound respect, by the way, anybody who does a draft. I don't care what sport it is, NFL, NBA, MLB. It's it's a lot of work going on. The research department is unbelievable. They give me so many nuggets on each of these guys. You know, they're playing in the KHL, the Swiss Elite League, the Finns. Obviously, I know all the Canadians, or at least the leagues and the cities that they're from. But just for our own amusement here, I'm going to end with three names I want Mike to try to pronounce. I will spell them for the audience here. The first name is pretty easy. It is Shakir. The last name is spelled M-U-K-H-A-M-A-D-U-L-L-I-N. Once again, to repeat, the last name is spelled M-U-K-H-A-M-A-D-U-L-L-I-N. Mike, how would you pronounce that player? Shakir Mukamadulun. You know, that's not bad. The K is the key. You got to ignore the K. It's actually Muhammadulun, but that's not bad. If you say Shakir Muhammadulun, you would have just said, here's my man Shakir, and we'd have kept rolling. Uh, the next I would have just said Shakir. Yeah. <laughs> I would have called him Tupac or something. You know, it's like, okay, let's go. Check out Tupac. He's a great left winger. Casper, uh, <clears throat> or you would have called Casper the Friendly Ghost. I'll spell the last name. S-I-M-O-N. T-A-I-V-A-L. Once again, S-I-M-O-N-T-A-I-V-A-L. Casper Simatavo. Not bad. Again, you're looking at it phonetically. Simon Tavo, but that's not bad. Again, that's pretty close. You went Simon, but it's actually Simone uh, Simone Tavo, but that's pretty close. The last one I'm going to go with here, Marat, M-A-R-A-T. That's the first name. Last name now, K-H-U-S-N-U-T. D-I-N-O-V. So K-H-U-S-N-U-T-D-I-N-O-V. Marat Kostanov. <laughs> Marat Kuznudinov. <laughs> Kuznudinov. I, I missed a whole syllable in there. You know, I'll take Russian names for 200, Alec. <laughs> By the way, I'm so glad you mentioned that. That's amazing you mentioned that. Alex Trebek, the Ottawa Senators, had the third pick in the draft. And for their selection, the general manager went to Jeopardy. And there was Alex Trebek on set, and he did the, the question, just Jeopardy style. It goes, the third pick in the Ottawa Senators, select. And he opens it, goes, who is? And he, he named the player. It was so funny. Tim Stutzla. He's a German player. Alex Trebek was actually part of the draft for the Ottawa Senators. It was very cool. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Junior Say, I used to call everybody, hey, bud. Hey, you know, he never knew anybody's name. You know, it just, hey, bud. Like, I, I don't think he ever knew anybody's name on a team. And so I would probably just, like, if I was a GM of this, of, of the Chicago Blackhawks, I'd just, just say, hey, yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah. You know. <laughs> hey, bud. I love that about Junior Hey, Say. bud. Hey, bud. Hey, bud. <laughs> love you, bro. Uh, thanks for checking out the GM Shuffler, everybody. As always, you can find us on Twitter, on an Instagram. Have a wonderful week of football viewing. Everybody stay safe out there. And we'll be back on Monday, the latest GM Shuffle.